0: What it is to be
1: champions. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU football podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peyton Guthrie, joined as always, well, most of the time, uh, by the other three hosts. Today, we only have two. Brady's got some master's homework. He's really trying to hammer out, uh, trying to give him a break. you know. We think furthering your education is extremely important here on, on the keyhole. Uh, so in lieu of that, we have Alan Kinney, and Matt Burton joining uh, myself as we walk through this week eight preview. So uh, before we get started, I wanna say thank you so much to um, Vanessa House uh, for being our number one supporter and uh, proud producer of the show, as well as Scratch Kitchen and Cocktail and The Spirit Shop in Norman. Uh, and then also a very, very, very special thank you to the Patreons over on patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Just as like maybe a little bit of a programmer reminder over there tomorrow on Wednesday, we'll have a uh, another film review breakdown this time of Oklahoma's game winning drive against Texas. Uh, Alan, can he his picks trying not to suck and any other sort of ramblings he may have that are really kind of insightful for this season as we're going through? Uh, you also get Brady's uh, Monday post as well as a no cap recap, which is usually put on Sunday after the game. But with all that said, Alan, how's it going, man?
2: man uh you know i'm just i'm getting by it's uh you know it was a nice opportunity to have kind of like a uh respite a week off you know to watch what everybody else is doing in college football i actually didn't even do that much watching but um no i'm ready to get back into the season though for the sooners
1: and matt i know we talked a little bit beforehand just oklahoma city thunder coming your your, your yeah. free times about to be sucked up a little bit but as you're kind of in this little uh, before-the-Venn diagram completely consumes you, man, how's it going on your side?
0: Uh, it's good, man. The The bye week was perfectly timed, like right before the Thunder get going, you know, get a, a nice in the middle of the season for OU, so uh, I'm recharged up, man. I got to let loose a little bit uh, this Saturday. I hung out with some uh, family and friends out in Piedmont, America, so uh, I had a couple brewskis watching uh, USC get pushed around. It was awesome. And so now I'm just ready to get, get this going. Um, I always, the, the football season for me is always, it, it lulls you into this like false sense of, okay, now I have a routine. I have everything, you know, everything's going to go well. And then basketball comes out of nowhere and just like punches you right in the side of the face. And it's like, forget about the routine you just had. Uh, here comes all this, but I'm, I'm excited, man. And especially since, I think they Thunder are going to be pretty good. So it'll actually be a fun team to follow. And also I'm not calling Brady Master by the way. I know he wants oh, us no, to call he ever. wants us to call him that. I'm not calling Brady Master.
1: Well, yeah, I mean Master Brady. I mean, there's some jokes to be had there. I'll leave that up to the audience. Uh I guess we'll just walk right into this for a week eight week eight pre uh, preview. We have the UCF uh, Knights coming down the Knights of Central Florida Brady on the new cap recap uh, had mentioned he called them the golden Knights I had a UCF guy on uh, maybe about a year ago and I called him that and he hard corrected me
0: <laughs> it's like, you're yeah.
1: no longer the golden Knight like it was of contention at that point in time so the Knights of Central Florida coming into Norman uh the um and hopefully I mean this is OU's chance to really um see if they can handle the fame see if they can handle the spotlight. Uh, and, and pass this next test of what happens after Texas. Now, good football teams, good OU football teams in particular, do not lose late. It just seems like they they either lose, they drop one early or drop one at Texas. And then after that, it's kind of that championship November thing. And that's been something that's within my uh, history of fandom, starting in that Bob Soups area. I mean, they win uh, late and you can easily say it's well because the big 12 isn't all that's cracked up to be as you get into the conference. But that even goes back when, you know, they had Nebraska and AM and Missouri, and you had this like a bigger, more robust uh, a Big 12. OU usually dropped a game early or at Texas. And then after that is kind of when they kind of picked up momentum and picked up steam. But Alan, how do you think the the Sooners are going to handle this uh, week eight matchup with UCF, who is still trying to have a little bit of trouble getting itself acclimated to the Big 12 conference play?
2: Right. You know, I mean, at this point that's that's the big question i think for this game i mean oklahoma is almost favored by three touchdowns so you know it's not expected to be a close one here but i think everybody is kind of um looking to see if uh, their heads got kind of fat after you know a, a big rivalry win and let's face it also there was a lot of celebrating around that texas win too which You know, is the kind of thing where that sometimes, you know, uh, people worry, oh, well, you know, the team has, uh, you know, kind of lost its focus. So we'll see. This is this would not be a good time to do so, because, um, I mean, Gus Malzahn is a fairly good schemer, play caller, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, if there's anything that OU's shown on film that can be exploited, um, he's going to at least on the defensive side of the ball, he's going to take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, that's something uh, I, I put on the preview animation uh, earlier today, just talking, showing the UCF stuff. I mean, OU favored by 18, but they're still playing, uh, according to SB Plus, Bill Conley, friend of the pod, uh, the 21st ranked overall offense and the 52nd overall rated defense. So it's not a team that's, bad, but anyway, share perform, just probably doesn't have the depth to continue playing um, as of this point in time, uh, so deep in the conference play to be able to hold up uh, across the board, especially after, you know, the heartbreaking stuff uh, from the Baylor side of it. Matt, I mean, do you have any insight, anything you're thinking of, of of the, um, the central uh, Florida Knights coming in? You think maybe some, some home, maybe not, not, not necessarily homecoming because it's an away game for them, but uh, any touchy feely stuff for uh, Dylan Gabriel and his former team?
0: Yeah, I mean, all the, all the players talked uh, Monday night about, you know, Dylan kind of addressed it and was like, no, this is just a normal game. Like nothing, nothing crazy, nothing there obviously is the team he played for, but uh, just keeping the the focus on the team and beating UCF. And cause like, I don't think there was any bad blood when he left. I think he was just trying to elevate competition, you know, all, all that good stuff. So um yeah, no bad blood. I don't think there was any bad blood with Levy. If I'm, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Levy just left to go to Ole Miss, like just another kind of use him as a stepping stone, all that stuff. So I don't think there's any bad blood with UCF. Um, I did, however, in our preseason predictions, pick this game to be an OU loss. Um, but obviously I'm not, I'm not feeling that way anymore. (laughs) I think that had more to do with, uh, me not seeing this defense play yet and, the whole running quarterback against OU joke that everyone likes to to bring up. So I think that's more where my head was preseason, obviously open as a what 19 point favorite. I don't, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think the case is more. So just uh, do they cover the spread in this one? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it does seem like that's where OU is going from. I mean, we had uh, Kelly Ford on last week really discussing just the overall improvement of this Oklahoma team from preseason to to now, uh, basically being uh, from the rest of the way going on, you know, barring anything happening like a loss or freak injury or something. Thing. OU is at minimum um, uh, favored by 18 against the remaining schedule. It, it, it's just wild because he said some of these teams, you're only favored by six. Now it's gone. It's ballooned up to such a degree because OU has proved themselves in the eyes of, uh, you know, betters and things of that nature. But you did mention the running quarterback thing in a uh, strictly of course fashion. Uh, UCF's a starting quarterback, their more dynamic player, is coming back for this game. It'll be first game back in a little while. I'm not for sure exactly how long he's out. Uh, P- Plumlee only played in three games, uh, sitting at, um, a 67% overall with just a shy under 10 yards per attempt sitting on three touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, but mainly making a lot of his hay on the, uh, uh, running side of it in three games having 163 yards at 8.6 yards a carry with a touchdown. Uh, Alan is, I mean, you, have been doing this as long time. Uh, you know, you and I both have the same gray beard uh, if you ever grew out, uh, I'm assuming it's kind of like, damn it, another mobile running quarterback. Of course he's coming back for this game. Do you think there's any uh, college football um, you know, magic to this? Or is it just maybe he's going to pick up some third downs that make us pull our hair out while OU's winning by 20?
2: Yeah. Oh, I mean, there'll definitely be some of the third downs that make us pull our hair out. I'm not even sure if it matters if they can run or not. But no, I think uh... – <sighs> I mean, I've never seen anything that makes me think that uh John Reese Plumley is a particularly good quarterback uh he's a he's i mean he's a, like you mentioned he really is a fantastic runner uh he doesn't necessarily combine the throwing side of things you know, I just don't find him particularly adept there so you know in that respect um I think that o u can do a lot to kind of focus on shutting down uh you know his ability to contribute in the uh, running game. And uh, you know, may him try to make him beat him, beat uh, the defense with his arm. But one other thing that Gus Malzon's going to have to keep in mind too is that, you know, yes, he's got a chance here to make a statement against OU, but they've got a you know they've got what five games left after OU, <laughs> and uh, seeing as probably is coming off of a um, you know an injury, the last thing you want to do is send him out there to get him injured all over again. So. Uh, you know, that's one thing that I think uh, you know they'll have to try figure out a way to balance that.
0: Enjoy great food and drinks at the original Norman Hotspot and its first cocktail bar. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails is our choice for quality meals and drinks to enjoy the next time you're looking for a great night out. With locations in historic downtown Norman on Main Street and the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma fans from all over the metro can enjoy Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Also, be sure to pick up or ask about Scratch's ready-made old-fashioned cocktail at your local wine and spirit store. Take the best Scratch concoction home to sit on your lounge and continue listening to this episode scratch kitchen and cocktails great food drinks and atmosphere
1: yeah I had a friend uh, Marcel Turner's his name you, you can look him up because he's public because he played in the University of Tulsa when Malzahn was the offensive coordinator there he was a fullback for them uh he just mentioned it's like Gus is like a college football savant just offensively the dude knows how to get stuff going it's stuff like that um, and to go from that to now where he is now, which not to say UCF is a, you know, a, a bad job or anything, but there obviously is a career trajectory that's tilted downwards compared to when he was at, you know, Tulsa, then uh, when going to Auburn and and seemed like the trajectory was on a way up um, and then kind of falling the way down. Now, some of that is the political nature of Auburn and Kevin Steele <laughs> playing in the background, uh, trying to get that job, but uh, we will need to. I'd be remiss to say that you know Gus Malzahn will be able to get yards uh, and will be able to play this game. Now his strength obviously has always been the running game and how to do that with the quarterback exactly. So I think Plumlee being back, even though it doesn't add much balance to the offense, does add another you know a chess piece for Malzahn to be able to move against Oklahoma. Um, That said, Oklahoma's run defense is pretty good. The stop rates are in the top 10. I mean, they don't, when they hit you, they seem to stay stuck to you and bring you down to the ground. Uh, Matt, do you think this, that type of style is the best way to tackle you moving forward more being creative on the run game and trying to get them over aggressive and stuff like that? I mean, in years past, you know, if somebody ran a reverse or something like that, you would be so far of alignment because it's too aggressive. I mean, do you think this is the gr- best way to attack this version of the defense as we're walking into week eight?
0: Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult because on one hand, that's what UCF does. Like you don't want to like stray too far from what you do. And so I think they're third nationally in rushing per game behind Liberty and air force. Like they have a they have had really no problems yeah. running the football and, you know, for me, I, also, they're, I mean, they're number one in the Big 12, I think by a very wide margin to run it. I think like 32 yards a game is what they are ahead over uh, Kansas State, I think is second. But as far as them doing like some tricky stuff, I think that's something that OU's been really good at. I, we saw against SMU, uh, they put, pulled out every trick play, trying to mess with your eyes play known to man. And I mean, they snuffed it out. Very quickly. And not to mention they didn't even have Desan McCullough for that game, who's been great at doing just that, just snuffing everything out. Um, especially any of those plays, plays that go wide trying to get the edges. Uh Desan McCullough's been there for all those. So uh for me, this I mean you guys can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong or if I'm interpreting this wrong. It, I think we're gonna see a similar game plan uh on defense to what it was against Cincinnati with Emory Jones coming off a running for 100 yards against Miami of Ohio the week before. And if you remember the Cincinnati game, it was basically like, we're bringing pressure all day. And we're going to try to make Emory Jones make throws over the top to beat us. And we're just going to live with, and and think that our secondary is better than their wide receivers. And try to make Emory Jones be the best quarterback that he can be. I think that's going to be basically to a T what you're going to see on uh, on saturday try not to let john rice plumley beat you on the ground try to make him play quarterback it's, it's simply i know it's, it's pretty simple but i feel like this is it's not a carbon copy but it's pretty close to the cincinnati stuff
1: yeah i think you're right about that i didn't i didn't think about from that perspective that oh you kind of started. Played this team to a certain degree with uh, Cincinnati uh, and UCF. That that said, UCF is a more prolific or more successful uh, running team uh, than Cincinnati. But you're right. I think what OU can do is is, is OU can, I mean, OU can get ahead of them and then basically you, you start taking that out of UCF's thing. Now the way it could be interesting is is if somehow UCF were to get a lead uh, and then they are able to lean on that run game and OU was wouldn't be able to. Um, you know, maybe play the full complementary si- style of offense it's trying to play with as much run as it has. Alan, uh, is there any way, now again, we're, we're talking about, uh, I believe the animation I had was a 19-point favorite, so I think I said 18 earlier. Uh, OU's a 19-point favorite, so I'm, I'm trying to, I want to make sure we're doing our due diligence, though. Is there any way that you can see that UCF gets away from Oklahoma and maybe tries to Turtle to a certain degree, uh, you know, keep the ball away or something like that. I mean, what, what, how does OU, how does UCF make this a game or potentially uh, still one out of Norman?
2: Wow. Um, I think what you mentioned there, you know, the uh, possibility of of getting a lead and then, you know, sitting on the ball, I bet they wouldn't go that route because, you know, if they try to, if they try to sit on it, um, against OU's defense, that I mean, that that's making them sitting ducks. I think that, if anything, what OU would need to look out for in that kind of situation is, you know, being so aggressive that you know UCF finds a way to hit them over the top or, uh, you know, hit them with some misdirection. Um, but you know. <sighs> I guess maybe one thing to keep in mind would be, I think UCF likes to really push the tempo. I haven't looked exactly at their offensive pace, but, you know, historically that's been part of Malzahn's thing. You know, I mean, this could be the kind of game where you have two teams playing really fast. Maybe consider what that might do to OU's defense. But, you know, in that case, it's possible that it, that would mean that, uh, you know, the Knights are wearing down on that side of the ball too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, looking at this, I don't think if I'm UCF, I do anything kind of out of the ordinary. I think I just try to kind of play the game that, you know, that I'd like to play and uh, take my chances.
1: Yeah. That's something you, you mentioned. That's kind of interesting. The idea of uh, maybe Oklahoma and, and UCF playing at such a high speed and potentially wearing each other down, you know, we could have a sneaky shootout on our hands, potentially if both thought defenses were to to get tired or something like that. Um, I I do know. OU had tweeted out um, or somebody had tweeted out some, uh, um, some uh, marketing materials from the university of Oklahoma uh, showing about the defense of 2022 to the, compared to the defense as of now in 2023. And um, it made me have a conversation with myself as I do like an insane person. Um, How much do you think, and I'll, I'll, Address this to you again, Alan. The defense has improved. I will admit that. I think it has been. But if you were look at some of the like per play numbers, like a, I think like yards per play uh, or um, uh, yards per pass, you know, rush, rushing things like that, it hasn't seemed to to um, increase dramatically. If that makes sense, like on the per play basis, it's there. It's just that they're seeing less plays. So they're getting off the field and also OU's offense is holding on to the football you know they they are able to convert which is then not allowing the defense to be put out there to potentially make more busts. now last year Oklahoma's defense was out in the field a ton and they were they were very very likely to give up a big play this year's defense is better at that but they're also just not being exposed or not being out leveraged as much um you know their flank isn't being exposed by being out there so long do you think just from that perspective do you think OU's offense, I'm sorry, OU's defense has greatly improved that much beyond just the idea that they're tackling and they've got depth. Like, let's say if UCF somehow gets 90 snaps or something crazy like that, do we start seeing some of the stuff that happened last year or do you think this defense is legitimately for real and it's not just a component of playing complementary football?
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great question. I look at it, I mean, I really do think that they're better. I think that I look across the board, I see a lot more athleticism um, on the defensive side of the ball, which, you know, I think in a lot of a lot of cases kind of contributed to uh, so many of the problems on defense. You know, just being in position to make tackles or being in position to get your hands on the ball for a pass breakup, that type of thing. you um, just didn't have the same level of, you know raw athleticism back there that they that uh, the Sooners have now uh so you know i mean i see a lot of that in my opinion you know looking at it part of the reason why you know the defense is so good you you know they're getting off the field on third or down better they're i think that they up until i mean i i think i had concerns about the pass rush up until last week when it seems like they did a pretty good job of getting pressure, just bringing four guys against uh, Texas, so, pardon me, the last game, uh, you know? So I, I, I think that those change, I mean, I do think, you know, the, I believe that the verbiage that uh, Venables used before the season was he he envisioned the defense being world's better. I think that's a fair way to put it right now. World's better really does seem appropriate.
1: Yeah, and even then, like that's something I was thinking about in the preseason, and they've they've gone way beyond my preseason expectations. Was world's better was be in the right position and make a tackle, <laughs> like that was world's better. This is like galaxies better, <laughs> uh, to a certain degree at that point in time. Um, Matt, I want to ask you this question uh, again. We kind of hinted a little bit on the preview, just a just a slight touch you know, you're producing the show for us, obviously helping us out and also on uh, the franchise, the flagship 107.7. So you you guys understand and you know, the game, the media game, Oklahoma was pumping out so much Texas, uh, you know, cotton bowl, gold hat type stuff that seemed a little, I don't know. There's a part of me is really cool to see, but then that's the time I was like, all right guys, let's say, Hey, we still got a game to play, (laughs) you know, kind of a thing going on. And we did it too. I mean, if you guys are on Twitter and like uh, following keyhole, or just following us on our Patreon, you'll know we, we're pumping out quite a bit of content. We're allowing some for content to have exclusive windows, a lot of people to maybe who are maybe showing more interest to, to catch on to us and stuff like that. I mean, I think everyone across the board is doing that. But how do you think OU handles this game after reaching you know, this midseason peak uh, against Texas? I mean, do you think they're going to come out a little sluggish, This is home? It's a game they're supposed to play, it's a game they're supposed to beat, you know, favored by 18, 19, 20? Um, or, or do you, I mean, do you think there's a, there's a chance there for, um, I don't know high on your own supply?
0: Um, I def, I definitely think there's a chance as far as the, a bunch of content coming out from OU. I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of what you got to do nowadays, especially when, uh, however, 8.7 million or however many people watch the red river game, you know, watch the awesome comeback. You got to capitalize on that. You know, that's, that's, a, that's some really good positive momentum, uh, and especially going into a bye week, whenever you're not going to be posting about games or anything like, Hey, let's relive this through the eyes of Dylan Gabriel and eyes of, you know, all this stuff. Uh, my thing is, as far as, you know, like you said, getting high on your own supply as it, for the guys that went six and seven last year. So then this year take a game for granted, that would be extremely disappointing and embarrassing I I just, I don't know how any of those guys and the coaching staff, which I don't, I'm not saying the coaching staff has taken any games for granted. I don't don't think that happens. Um, And especially not a guy like Brent Venables either. Uh, But if you're a player and you're taking it for granted, you see a 19 point favorites, UCF's what, three and three on the year. They've lost like three in a row, I think. Like, and if you're, if you're taking any of these for granted and feeling like you've won something, after going six and seven last year, I'm sorry. Like there's, there's much bigger issues than, than just like on the field stuff. If you're taking a game for granted one year after going six and seven, I just, I can't see that happening. I don't think uh, Brent Venables would, would let that happen.
1: Yeah. It is obviously a major motor, you know, last year is always a, a major uh, motivation factor, you know, stillin's last, you know, last year with the team, uh, even though I think he does have one more, but I think it's it's very loudly spoken that this is the last year. Uh, sorry, the dog's trying to scratch. He wants inside this room so bad. Uh, <laughs> but I do think, yeah, some of that, you know, external external motivation is obviously not to go six and seven again, not to prove yourself. I guess the only thing I can think of is some of them, some people or the team or somebody may think we made it. <laughs> you know, we did the thing. Like we, we got the, and, you know, Under the verbiage of certain, you know, past regimes at OU, they'd say things like, you've done it, everything's good enough, you've got it. And I remember uh, when Brent's first season, uh, there's like that quote from him at at practice saying like, it's never enough, you will never give enough, you will never be good enough, you know, it's perfection, you know, Uh, and that's that culture side of it being built out at that point in time. The Spirit Shop has been Norman's source for wine, beer, and spirits since 1976. We feature the biggest selection and best prices in town. Thousands of different wines, beers, spirits, and more. Live in Norman? We deliver all over town, every day, usually in under an hour. Let us bring the party to you. Go to our website and order online at www.thespiritshop.org or give us a call at 405 321 three one zero zero that's 3100 in from out of town for the game come see us at the corner of maine and barry just two miles east of i-35 take the main street exit and browse thousands of fine wines and hard to find bourbon in store but we'll move on to the next talking point uh this is one that uh after i had a couple uh uh, stat geeks and math nerds on the podcast to explain, uh, to me, someone from Southeast, Southeastern Oklahoma, what this, uh, math from the Middle East really means, uh, <laughs> uh, can we leverage public perception against OU's analytical models during pick'ems or bets? I mean, at this point in time, OU still seems to be somewhat, quote unquote, disrespected, um, uh, via publicly at times, while still being favored very heavily, um, yeah, in these games, but even against uh, UCF, you know, some of the models I'm looking at, I think uh, again i want to use K ford and then uh, SP plus. They have OU favored more than the public number <laughs> at this point in time. So, Alan, do you, is there any is there any juice inside that OU inside these OU's numbers that you think? Hey, we still have some point. They're still leaving stuff on the table. They just haven't adjusted quite yet.
2: So you mean the odds makers haven't adjusted or yes, the
1: odd, or, or maybe they're they're dealing you know, cause obviously you're making odds via public perception at times because certain public teams, yada 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 I mean, mm-hmm. do you think there's any any leveraging you can do, you know, when you're doing your picks and all that type of stuff?
2: Uh probably not. No. Nah. I mean I hate to Damn. I hate to <laughs> rain on your parade. No. I mean um how do I I'm trying to this is a very long discussion about how point spreads are set Um, because a lot of times I think people have this idea that like, oh, well, the, the, the goal of the house is to get 50-50 action. And so they're saying the point spread that way. And it's like, well, yeah. yes, but like how do you come up with a number to generate 50-50 action is important. And on top of that, like – how do you prevent yourself from getting played to the point where, you know, really sophisticated professional betters don't see the number that you put out there and take you the cleaners on it? Right. Yeah. So there's there's a lot there's a lot that goes into this. I think that if they were way off on Oklahoma, um, I think that you'd see I mean, clearly OU is playing above expectation, you know, for uh you know for the for the book bookmakers i mean you know they're what well, i guess they're 6 and 0 i believe on against this number of the season so yes, they're definitely above that but the issue becomes you know i mean at some point you know water will find its level there these guys are really good at what they do and um if you're kind of banking right now on there being some type of value at this point um that's kind of a fool's errand
1: oh man so yeah so i do get that point of it the 50 50 thing i mean obviously i work for a native american tribe of oklahoma so it means our main generation of uh revenue is gaming (laughs) and let me tell you something uh the games aren't 50 50 (laughs) (laughs) and we drastically know what that is um and my assumption is that even though these numbers seem 50 50 like you said you want to get money on either side uh it's not that
2: Look, if the if the if the bookmakers if the bookies could get fifty fifty on every single you know play, they would be ecstatic because that would mean they just take home the vig and then they move on from there. But it's a pipe dream. It's impossible to do. It's impossible to set a number that's guaranteed to do that. Like you know, what they have to do is they have to come up with the number that's closest to reality, and then go from there. Right, so you know, th- no, they will. N- anyway, my long long short is no. I don't think there's any, any value to be stripped Dang. away here. Yeah.
1: Dang. So, uh, let me rephrase it from a, a different perspective because I find this conversation interesting. And if the listeners and Patreons don't, I apologize. But before the season starts, you have a basically, a, you know, a, a grading rubicon to kind of do your power ratings for the teams within the Big Twelve, and you're able to kind of develop. How you think the season will play out? And you had Oklahoma at ten and two based on that power rating uh, via you know a, a, a basic against its schedule. Uh, has that changed for you? Have you had a chance to look back at that? Look back at what your preseason number was for Oklahoma. It's still on track to obviously get to ten and two. Hopefully, get more than that yeah. now uh, based on what's yeah. happening. But are, are have they overperformed your pretty rosy expectations from the preseason?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of what you you end up doing is you have a power rating for uh, each team and then you factor in stuff like home field advantage. You know, you come up with um, a probability for each game and you can count that as like a win share. So if like a team has an 80% probability of winning a game, you count that as 0.8 wins. You add it all up at the end. Yeah, and I got 10 two. I have, um, personally, I've definitely... You know, I, I can't, I don't have my numbers right in front of me, but I've definitely uh, adjusted OU up pretty significantly. I mean, I feel like they've answered um, a lot of questions, obviously, on defense to the point where they're one of the better defenses, actually, probably, you know, top 20 defense in the country, maybe. Um, you know, whereas last year, you're looking at a unit that was definitely in the at least in the bottom half of the country. So, yeah, I've definitely adjusted up, and in doing so. Um, you know, the OU schedule to me looks a little bit tougher than it did in the beginning of the season or preseason, but now, um, OU's also shown itself to be a better team, a stronger team. So, you know, whatever gains some teams have made in, uh, during the season or shown, you know i think ou has surpassed and offset them. so i mean you know they're still looking more like you know 11 or they're they're, at this point they're looking at like 11 or 12.
1: well very good i mean that's something uh you know i'm going to try to do for for next year is develop my own grading rubicon of how to do this and what i'm going to what i'm going to weigh and scale and things of that nature and see if i can develop something along that line other than just going by the gut because as i was dragged on twitter today via uh our own social media. So that I'm strange how that happened. Uh, I read the book of never trust Texas tech again. <laughs> so it's something I have to learn uh, and we'll learn it myself. Uh, but moving on, we've got Dylan Gabriel, who's climbing the Heisman ranks or at least the odds maker putting him in the higher uh, side of this thing. I believe he's number two at this point in time. Um, do we think he has a legitimate shot with this remaining schedule because his quote unquote Heisman moment is done. It has been crystallized. It is over. I don't think there's going to be enough uh, chances on the schedule to allow that to happen again unless it's in the conference championship game, which historically, and I think they've gotten better at this because, you know, you had Tua and happened with Tua Tua and Kyler. Uh, Some of these guys voted by the time that, you know, conference championship stuff's happening because they've seen a full season of work at that time. Obviously, Tua and Kyler were basically right down to the very bottom, so to the very end. So they kind of waited it out, uh, which allowed Kyler to kind of sneak past at the end. Um, but Matt, what do you think about Dylan's, um, you know, Heisman chances? Is this more of people are falling around him, uh, or is that Texas moment, that Texas performance, you know, so high, and what he's done over the rest of the season so far? Do you think this is a legitimate shot for OU to add to the uh, the Heisman ranks?
0: Uh, I I do think it's it's legitimate, but I think OU is going to have to go undefeated. Like I think that's what's going to have to happen. I get yes, he's already had his Heisman moment. I, I think maybe he could have another one. Like people will probably tune into Bedlam. You know, I, I mean that's that's usually a good a good like people tune into Bedlam. Like not as much as maybe the OU Texas game, but. Uh, people still like watching bedlam because normally there's a ton of points in that game a lot of people bet a lot of people national people bet on bedlam over just because just to do it you know because it usually uh hits and then also they have a friday night game at the at the very end of the year against tcu now i don't know what tcu is going to show up but that's probably gonna be the only game going on 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 friday (laughs) you know like Uh, I know people it's black Friday, so people are going to be shopping and stuff. Maybe not going to be watching a ton at 11 AM, but, uh, still there are going to be some opportunities for Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I think Penix is kind of running away with it right now. At at least the, I I peeked at the odds a little bit earlier today. Um, looked like he was kind of running away with it right now, but, uh, they also, they have kind of a tough schedule. Washington does, uh, they have a couple tough games with, I mean, Utah, they still have USC on the schedule. They got Oregon, got to go to Oregon state. Uh, and then the Apple cup, who knows what happens there, you know, with Washington, Washington state. So uh, he's got some, some tough games coming up and I, I do like Washington a lot. Like I, I really do, but he's got a chance to pick up some losses along the way Dude, that's So that's a way tougher remaining schedule than, than OU has. Uh, so at least Dylan, they have a, he has a chance. I'm not gonna say it's a, a great chance, but I think Dylan Gabriel for sure has has given himself a chance.
1: Yeah, I think Pinix has probably, I mean, obviously not only is he the favored, you know, person right now for the Heisman, but I think for the Heisman stuff, and it's just something that's been, you know, crystallized in my mind. So I could just be totally, totally off. Is that the narrative-driven side of this award, Pinix has more chapters to write. You know, he has more big has other yep. big games coming up, you know, USC, you know, stuff like that, where he can have big performances. Or just big moments, you know, to say, hey, I am that guy. Yeah, I was about you know, the yeah. same
0: thing that works for like Dylan, like that mm-hmm. I was doing it for him, like, hey, he's got some tough games that he could lose. But if he wins them, it's like, oh man, <laughs> Michael yeah. Penix went through the gauntlet, you know, and got there.
1: And then you have, uh, you know, my, obviously my favorite team, Yes, you can tell I'm wearing the blue and the yellow right now, you know, they've got their their games coming up with against Penn State and uh, Ohio State, so maybe J.J. does some, like, crazy stuff or something like that in those games, which everyone in the world will be watching, you know, if Michigan can pull those games off. Alan uh, uh, and I will forever be in a death feud about if Michigan good or not. Um, <laughs> uh, but... So yeah, I think we're on there. What about you? What about you, Alan? What do you think about Dylan Gabriel and the Heisman chances? Do you think it's he's he's raising, you know, he's 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 stepping up his own chances via his play? I mean, obviously that's happening, or is it you've seen some guys kind of fall down and somebody's gotta be at number two at this point in time?
2: Well, I think that he's clearly elevated his chances via his own play. I mean, you know, he didn't even play that great,
0: Mm -hmm. I don't think,
2: from in the Texas game in terms of you know, and from a throwing standpoint, but man, like he kind of willed him to victory at times it felt like, right. I mean, and there were a lot of people watching there. He had, that was, that was a way to kind of capture everybody's attention. Right. Um, so, you know, looking ahead, I, I think that OU will need to go would need to be undefeated and by undefeated, I mean, also winning the big 12 championship yeah to uh to kind of sew that up uh you know the public or pardon me the media is in love with pennix from um washington you can understand why i mean it's a you know kind of i wouldn't say an upstart program but it's a new story out there um you know he's he's got a good story himself you know having overcome some pretty significant injuries uh to you know you know kind of uh help help resurrect that program um and he's got you know he'll have uh, opportunities I think they've still got to play USC right they've got to play Utah they've got to play Washington State now like Matt mentioned that's still a tough tough stretch there to end and they'll probably you know assuming they they're able to uh, get through all that they're probably going to have I mean a really tough matchup in the uh, Pac-12 title game you know so Penix is the other one you know and if Let's say that Oregon, for example, plays really well down the stretch and uh, they knock off uh, Washington in a rematch. The the media loves Bo Nix, yep. loves him, and so that's another Audacious. one. Yeah, right. Like, it, it, it's funny. I was actually listening to a uh, handicapping podcast earlier today, and they were talking about like his Auburn career, and, and they described him as average to shitty <laughs> at Auburn. and now you know look at him i mean it's a, it that part is a good story that people love to get behind so um you know i don't know it's it's the heisman it's kind of a silly award in general uh but you know i i do think if OU goes 13-0 my guess is that gabriel wins it um but that's still a pretty tall order
1: yeah, It's a tall order, and it becomes basically like you just got to do it. I mean, if it's, if it's thirteen to know at that point in time, uh, with with the story of the then the, his narrative becomes six and seven was banged up last year. I mean, it kind of becomes like this two year award for him, kind of like when um, Baker finally won his Heisman. It become like it became like his career, you know, ending up at this peak at this point in time instead of it being like a one. year, Even though obviously Baker that one year was great but every year he was great. Uh, yeah. So eventually all kind of in coalesced. And then that one spot that kind of took OU um, and, and Breaker her over the top. I think if OU goes 13-0 again, a giant if at this point in time, even though OU is basically 92, 95% chance to win every individual game remaining, <laughs> things can happen. <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, Allen still um, has, has Oklahoma losing in Stillwater. So who knows what may happen, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Brady had them losing to the BYU. So, I mean, things could happen. Things could happen. Uh, let's move on here to the next talking point we've got. Let me find it first. Oh, week 8 matchups. Uh, Alan, you had some games here you wanted to talk about. Let me find them here. We had OSU, uh, sorry, The Ohio State University. The Ohio State University. Yeah, there you go. Sorry about that. Uh, whoever plays for that team currently. Uh, Penn State, uh, Tennessee, Bama, and then Utah, USC. Um, which one do you want to start us off with?
2: Well, let's start with the game of the week, which is uh, Ohio State-Penn State. Penn State. Um, man, you know, I keep hearing a lot of buzz about how good Penn State is. And, yeah, they've – I mean, they've, they've housed a lot of teams. They're kind of – to me, though, they're kind of in an OU-like situation here where, like, I'm just not convinced that they that they – beat anybody particularly good and you know in a lot of those cases i mean james franklin has clearly been playing to cover the spread and run up the score uh so you know you've got kind of a situation here where i don't know man like we it seems like we hear this all the time and you know there's a new you know or penn state's just is right there ready to knock off uh michigan or ohio state and it just doesn't come to fruition. I I I don't know, man. I just don't see them winning here this week against the Buckeyes. But uh, you know, it seems they're, they're certainly a fashionable upset pick.
1: Now I do want to, and it's also just a thing I want to talk to you about. I mean, I haven't watched a single snap of Penn State football mainly because I believe them to be frauds. So why bother with them? Uh, but has Drew Aller been the guy? You know, as a the former uh, a former host of the Keel podcast set – Uh, said himself the best quarterback west of the mississippi that obviously didn't turn out (laughs) uh, the way that went out or east of the mississippi but uh i mean drew aller is sitting at uh 6.9 yards attempt uh 9.83 adjusted yards per attempt obviously 12 touchdowns and zero interceptions but doing that but at 6.9 that's i mean that's not an explosive offense especially not an explosive passing offense Use for a comparison, which sometimes I think, um, you know, Dylan isn't stretching the ball as much as he could. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's sitting at 9.6 yards per attempt and uh, 10.8 yards per uh, adjusted attempt. Anything over 10, in my personal opinion, is that then you're at an elite status. Um, and then basically, I'm just now looking at this. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel's basically increased his yards per attempt by a yard over his career averages. So you do see he has made a, a level up at that point in time. But do you think Drew Allers? showing himself to be the next great or first great Penn State quarterback that he's kind of cracked up to be so far. I mean, again, a true sophomore, so what are you going to do? Um, but what do you think about that perspective? Do you think he has enough of guts to bring to the game against Ohio State?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got, he's, he's got guts and what have you. I mean, you know, I know he's a five-star prospect type thing. I don't know. I mean, to me, it just looks like he's done a very good job of of not putting the team in, in harm's way. You know what I mean? From not making mistakes, not throwing, uh, not, you know, turnover-worthy plays, I believe, is the, uh, you know, uh, hot uh, hot buzzword there. I, I'm not seeing a lot of those, but, like, the offense doesn't have a lot of snap to it, you know? the Defensive, and supposedly it's a really good offensive line, and I just... I don't know. I haven't, I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, To be fair, they get a big time test this week, obviously. We'll see how they hold up against, uh, you know, that front that Ohio state has, but um, you know, I mean, Aller, he, he, my guess is that he'll get better, you know, as he matures and, you know, he might put Penn state in position to, you know, be a you know kind of national title type contender but i just i haven't seen him do it this season
0: for me Aller, this is his prove it game to me to prove that he's not sean clifford 2.0 like that's just, (laughs) just i just had so many like just sean clifford was there forever and it was always like oh well they have the experience of Sean Clifford. I'm like, he has done nothing. He has won nothing. I don't know why we're still, I guess just because he's Penn state's quarterback. uh, That is why the Sean Clifford love. I just, I got tired of it. Frankly, it was like the, it was like the expecting different results thing is the, no, he's, he's just that guy. It's like, Oh, Kellen Mond is back for another year at Texas A&M. No, he's the same. He's the same player. Oh, Sam Ellinger is back for Texas. No, he's, a fullback playing quarterback who can sometimes throw it, but sometimes not. It, it's, he falls into that same category. So, Drew, please do not be another Sean Clifford.
1: Yeah, Alan, when you're talking about Penn State, Oklahoma, being kind of the same, according to SB+, uh, Oklahoma sitting at 20.9 and Penn State's at 20.8, <laughs> and they're almost, uh, you know, exact opposite of each other. Oklahoma's fifth on offense and 23rd on defense. Penn State being 24th on offense and second on um, defense. So you have got those numbers flipped on that point in time. The thing that gives OU the, uh, the, the tie break, quote unquote, over Penn State at this point in time, is that while OU has a bad special teams, uh, Penn State is currently ranked 101st. So I can't imagine someone having a worse, uh, <laughs> a power five team having a worse special teams, but Penn State seems to have done that. And that may be an issue uh, in big moments against a big time yeah. opponent, if you can't punt or can't kick a field goal. Um, I don't have any impulse on that other than I also think OSU is kind of in a similar boat as well uh, with the quarterback. Now that quarterback obviously has a chance to throw to like three of the best wide receivers in the college football. So there's a difference there, but I still haven't seen a ton of them too. That makes me think, Hey, this is it. They're the ones, you know, and they're also being rated, you know, not talking about Ohio state, you know, being rated by a couple uh, uh um, um, agencies or analytic guys as like the number one team in college football right now in Ohio state. It's just not something that I personally see because it just seems like they're missing a gear uh, that they Mm -hmm. used to have uh, with other quarterbacks at that point in time. Do you think maybe I'm overthinking that when it comes to Ohio state, obviously they're supremely talented. They're always supremely talented. Uh, Or do you think maybe the run of, big time quarterback place has kind of hit hit the snag just just slightly in the moment.
2: Well, you know, I I mean McCord is not CJ Stroud, right? You know, that's just we're looking at what CJ Stroud is doing now on the NFL level, and it's that that's obvious. Um but there you know Ohio State has so much around McCord that you know there's just he doesn't have to be great. And you know, I it seems like if Penn State's gonna win this game, like Alar is gonna have to elevate his own game, right? And so I guess we'll see if he has that in him. Um but you know, I I get I get all the stuff about, you know, Ohio State feeling like they're not hitting like top top perform P performance, but Man, they just—they have so many weapons and so much skill. Like, it just feels to me like they've got a a higher a a higher top end than a team like Penn State.
1: Now the next one here, I'm gonna take over this one. You've got Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee. Probably was expecting this offense to play a little differently with you, the giant cannon-armed quarterback. Uh, but he has not been able to connect down deep. Uh, Tennessee is being led by their defense, which on a podcast I do not have the number right in front of me. I'm going to pair it a number from a podcast I listened to, saying Tennessee currently ranks number one in SEC defense. Um, if that's not true, they're in the top half. If that's true, then they're more likely in the top third. Uh, so they're being very defensive, uh, defense forward and rushing forward, uh, which is not something fully expect, You know, something you'd fully expect out of a Josh Heupel offense at that point in time. But they're playing against an Alabama team that while extremely talented and extremely good is obviously missing its top few gears and is, is operating at a much lower level than it has in the, in the recent past. Um, Matt, do you think this is Tennessee has a chance here? I mean, they did just barely squeak by Texas A and M in, in a pretty ugly game, um, which the offense barely contributed uh, to, to that in total. Yeah. Uh, do you think Alabama is gettable by Tennessee, or even if Tennessee, I mean Alabama, somewhat "quote unquote" down, this Tennessee team's not going to be able to to handle it because of their style of play currently?
0: No, I, I definitely think. Tennessee has a chance, uh, in this one, this, I can't figure out Alabama. It's so weird. Like, obviously with, with Jalen Milrow up there now, I just, one, the, the, the quarterback play is different. Bama went through, I mean, I still remember Bama with like Greg McElroy. and it's just like, Hey Greg, don't fuck up and turn it over and we'll win a game. Like that's, that's really what it was. Like, Hey, just get it to, you know, whoever, Julio Joe, whoever get it to one of these guys, hand it off to the running back. Don't, don't throw it to the other team and let our defense win us a game. And Alabama fans have gone through a stretch of where, Hey, to a Bryce young, like all these quarterbacks. And it's like, well uh, that's what Alabama said. It's like top of the top, man. Like they, they still had a the defense. They had all the skill position talent in the world. And they still, it looks like they still have the defense, but I'm like Jermaine Burton is their best wide receiver. And I mean, they had, they just went through a stretch of what Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle and Jerry Judy, all in the same team. Like all these guys are first round picks. Like, and they, I don't think they have a first round pick at wide receiver. Like they don't have a bell cow running back with, you know, like when they had to the Derrick Henry or, you know, those running back rooms where it's like, oh, TJ Yeldon and Derrick Henry and all these guys. And oh, Alvin Kamara had to transfer because he wasn't going to play. And all of a sudden he's getting it done on Sundays. Like they just, for whatever reason, that skill talent, either, either it's young or it's just not performing. And, you know, Jalen Milrow is not Tua. He's not Bryce Young. And that's, that's okay. I think they need to I don't know, do something with Jalen Miller's legs a little bit more. And I mean, he does throw a good deep ball. We'll give him that for sure. But they're gonna need him to do a little bit more to to figure out this this Tennessee team to get the win against Tennessee because I mean it helps that it's at home, but man, I just really have not been impressed with Alabama and I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth.
1: No, I I don't think you'd be alone there. I think Allen was kind of nodding his head there trying to figure out, you know, how do you profile this Alabama team. Like, wh- where is yeah. this coming from? I mean, a- Alan, what do you think about this game coming up? I mean, this is a chance again, beating Alabama is great, obviously for any program. If you're Tennessee and you beat them last year and you're wanting to continue this and you're wanting to say, we're turning the corner. This is almost a, you gotta have it type of game. Obviously if you want to keep things moving forward for your program and moving in a, a, in a on a trajectory that you'd want to keep that you'd want to stay on. Uh, How do you preview this game for Alabama and Tennessee?
2: You know, the thing about Tennessee is they've got a quarterback that makes a, can make a lot of mistakes. And um, you know, (laughs) Joe Milton has so many tools, but man, it just, it just never feels like the entire package is equal to the sum of the parts. Right. And, What I, the way I envision this game going down, I think Alabama is going to win, and I think they'll probably win by you know roughly ten points, um, because they're going to bait Milton into mistakes, or they're going to you know they, they they shut down the run, they shut down the pass. I mean, this Alabama defense, one thing that they can hang their hat on is, I mean, they've gotten better on that side of the ball. Um, and they're continuing to improve there and they've got a lot of good personnel. I think that uh, you know, my guess is that Alabama will make enough mistakes that uh you know, pardon me, Milton will make enough mistakes that Alabama can capitalize on to uh, get kind of a comfortable win. But it's it's certainly not a given with how just, you know, Alabama's offense just feels like it has such a tendency to sputter, you know. That you know, I, I it it doesn't give me a ton of confidence that they that they'd be able to keep up in a shootout, but I think that they can keep this game from getting to that point.
0: The thing with Alabama too is like once the Ole Miss game happened, the the weird ass South Florida game happened, and then after immediately after they win twenty four to ten against Ole Miss, and it's like okay, all right, Alabama's rolling now. All this stuff, yada, yada. Beat the shit out of Mississippi State. And they win by six against A&M. And win by three against Arkansas. And Arkansas is not good. It's an Arkansas yeah. team that lost and to BYU.
2: And A&M really, I mean, they they had that game there for the taking.
0: Yeah. And, like, a and like, I get maybe not being able to score or run the ball well on, on A&M. Like, they, they have some absolute... Monsters on the defensive line, yeah. and you would expect them to after their past however many recruiting classes uh, at AM. But it's just the score lines just read like what the hell is going on with Alabama,
2: yeah. I mean, like down the stretch in the uh, second half that game against Arkansas, I mean, their final three drives were aside from you know the one where they salted the game away. I mean, three and out, three and out, three and out. It's just you know. It, it, it's like you just fell asleep.
1: And then to the game that hopefully I will not fall asleep at will keep me up, keep my sodium levels high. Uh, Utah versus UC, uh, USC. Sorry, different game. Uh, you know the Utes versus the Trojans. Um, now Utah is pretty banged up. Cam Rising, you know, always kind of is he won't he can he will he? You know, uh, you know his his full knee injury is finally disclosed a little. While. Ago and basically everything was broken. Uh, so maybe that's why it's taking so much longer to get there. That said, Utah is proving maybe it doesn't need a quarterback <laughs> to, to keep winning football games and having a successful uh, football season comparatively for Utah's uh, historical standards. Uh, but, you know, USC, I mean, that's something that's been kind of wild to me is, is to see how quickly all this turned. You lose one football game. Now, in the manner that they did lose it, in the manner in which everyone can point and say, see, I told you so. So maybe that's the reason why, but it's basically been everyone all at once throwing Lincoln Riley into a trash can, which has been very funny to me, <laughs> obviously. Um, and how quickly everyone is ready to jettison this team, you know, to almost outside of top 25. I think they're like 18, 19 right now from where they were. I mean, they got pushed way far down for just a one loss team. It was kind of wild. Um, and, and when you see that game, how they lost, they lose a the turnover battle five to zero or something like that. There's a kickoff return for a touchdown. I mean, uh notre dame only had like 200 yards of offense i mean so it's, it's kind of weird but they are obviously getting punished or just being shellacked in the way that they were uh alan what, what prompted you to 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 look at this game other than this seems like a team that usc would historically have issues with or a lincoln riley led team would historically have issues with and just the uh the pettiness of your heart
2: yeah well like i kind of this is interesting the game is interesting to me because like if USC does have anything left, like, you would think that it would have to be here, right? I mean, yeah. that was a humiliating loss last week. You mentioned there, there's there been so much piling on, piling on not only Lincoln Riley, but Caleb Williams for playing yes, a very poor game. Um, and don't forget, I mean, Utah punked USC twice last year. The first game was, a, you know, obviously a classic, but they just made – they made USC look so soft last year, that Pac-12 championship game. Now, part of the, you know, uh, maybe downside of playing, you know, of, you know having so many transport portal guys is that maybe that doesn't hit the same way with the, these guys who just now came in, but for anybody who was still a holdover, I mean, this isn't, it would be important not to let that happen again. I kind of think that maybe I, I just, part of it too is like, I'm just not impressed with you. I mean, Utah, they cannot move the ball and even against uh, you know, a poor defense, like what USC has. I mean, I think USC can do enough to kind of key in on stopping the run to, um, you know, at least keep Utah, you know, from scoring on every possession when, you know, or what have you. And, uh, you know, I I think I bet my guess is that USC is going to get a win here. um, But, you know, setting up for a really tough finish down the stretch.
0: What do they finish, Alan? They got last five games, home against Utah, at Cal, home against Washington, at Oregon, home against UCLA. In those five games, what's their record?
2: I think that they're going to go – let's see here.
0: I – Is and is Cal a sneakier game? Cal can put up some points.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I'm not saying I'm not
0: calling for a like upset, but I mean, like, yeah, as as far as like, holy shit, we got to play Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. I feel like that'd be easy to just look over Cal.
2: Yeah, I I mean, like, one of the things too is like this week, I mean, like, they're going to have a really physical game here with Utah, and so it might be the kind of thing where then they go out to cal and they're beat up you know i mean type of thing i i i think that they are going to i i let me put you like this i don't see them finishing the regular season with a better record than nine and three um and i think eight, eight and four is is certainly on the table
1: yeah i was gonna say nine and three obviously that's just me being uh saying that yeah Washington, Oregon. Congratulations on beating USC. Um, but yeah. I, I, I think USC beats Utah because I think Utah is just too banged up at this point in time. It's going to be an, a correction game for as much as Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma USC can if Lincoln Riley. Um, I, I think they, they can string it out. The remaining games on their schedule. I mean, look at you. You look at UCLA. Uh, it, I, they have such they have, they're being led by defense. It's just very strange for, for, for you know that head coach. You know offense isn't quite getting where it needs to be. And then Cal, I don't know. It's hard for me to look at Cal and and, and say they're going to beat them. But I mean, eight and four is right there. Looking at them, they're talk, you're talking about one trip up game. If I'm saying they're automatically going to lose Washington Oregon, Just totally within the realm. And if you go from that. I think things are getting really loud in um, in the Coliseum for, for Lincoln Riley. If you take a quote unquote generational quarterback, which you know I read an article today, Mike uh, Mike uh, Farrell uh, talked about. It's like stop calling him a generational quarterback. He's not because we just had one, like, you know, it's like Mm. CJ Stroud and Trevor Lawrence and then Joe Burrow and then Patrick. And like, how many of these are generational guys? (laughs) So I was like, okay, from that perspective, I get it. Check, checkmate. I I understand there. Um, But I think things get really, really loud if if USC finishes eight and four. Uh, Obviously, Alex Grinch is gone at that point in time. would would, would have to. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if things would have to change uh, from an offensive side.
2: Using, like, like, but we're back to the Jimbo Fisher conundrum with that. Like yeah. they owe you, they owe Lincoln Riley so much money. Like, I don't know what getting loud really means. Like they've, they've sold out to him, right? Like, so.
1: I, I think, I, I think maybe, yeah, they've sold out to him, but it, let's look, let's use this as an example. And maybe this is a bad example and you can just, everyone can laugh at me. Um, Lincoln Riley tried to play the big dog head coach, football head coach guy. Uh, like I am the king of this place against a first year reporter and had to turn around and make a, an apology a week later. I mean, I, I think maybe there's a different calculus at you, at uh, his current stop than how Oklahoma does when Oklahoma protects its, call, its football program. I, I think, you know, it being a California school, and you know, education and all that type of stuff where they don't see football in the same way, potentially um, maybe loud is a little different. I'm, I'm just not entirely for sure. I, I just that interaction earlier in the year with again a first year <laughs> reporter yeah. blogger guy, Lincoln Riley got shoved into a locker. It seemed very strange to me. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I don't. Yeah. I'm just not for sure.
2: I don't know, man. Like I think Lincoln made that look like the the kid had to come to him and kiss his ring to get his asses back. Like I mean, I don't know. I I guess I just we're in a different we're – we're operating in a different landscape now. I mean, college football coaches have always had a lot of power, but I mean, it wasn't like, you know, Bob Stoops wasn't, you know, made to, you know, brought to heel when Joe Consiglione and and donors came to him and said, you know, time to make some changes type of thing. You know, I, I, I think that we're in a different space now though, you know, where like these guys, I mean, you are guaranteeing them all this money. Like, I mean, good luck making them do what you want you know
1: yeah uh, it, it's almost getting to the point in time where uh i, I just don't follow the nfl as much but one of the things i always think it's funny it's like the salary cap isn't real just sign these guys <laughs> like you can just do whatever <laughs> just call them later i mean it's just like do whatever you need to do to get them to the room if they don't work out just move on from them uh you know uh uh, NBA is getting much, much more like that. It's like, just get a dude it doesn't work out, flip him for something and keep going and keep moving. Uh, none of it seems real. I don't know if college football is quite at that level. You know, obviously, it's congressional hearings right now where Lindsey Graham's whining about Utah players getting trucks on uh, leases. <laughs> so maybe things maybe things are different. <laughs> maybe things are different. Uh, but before we finish off, I would be remiss to say we need to get our Oklahoma versus the Central Florida Knights scoring predictions. Uh, Brady uh, messaged us his. I'll uh, we'll do him. He's got OU 48, UCF 16. So he did pick Oklahoma to win. Shocker. Uh, the biggest and the cover. So that's nice. Um, I have Oklahoma at 38, UCF at 17 with the cover as well, but a little bit on the squeakier side of that. Um, Matt, what do you think your score is?
0: Um, I am going to go. Yeah, I think they I think they won up the Iowa State game. I'm going 51-20. Okay, a lot of points. A lot of points. That's a lot of points.
2: I will say OU 42. Um, and UCF. I bet I've got UCF sneaking in the back door 4224.
1: You heard it here. UCF sneaking through the back door, uh, (laughs) for the cover there. Uh, also good of you to say Oklahoma's just not going to kick a field goal or maybe they do and they miss (laughs) that's how they get to 42 (laughs) (laughs) they miss the cover late because they can't kick the field goal um well, guys, uh, guys, ladies, gentlemen, uh, everyone involved who are listening to Through the Gale, thank you so much. I want to say thank you once again to our sponsors, our title sponsor, Vanessa House, Scratch Kitchen and Cocktail, and The Spirit Shop in Norman. Uh, also, thank you to all the patrons who uh, support us and allow us to do this fun stuff that we've been able to do. And also, um, you know, really cool of us opening door to. Opening the door to the Patreon the last week and a half, uh, you know, kind of take advantage of the Texas games. Thank you guys so much. Also, real quick on the uh, the pickem, I think it's Conclave ninety two. I need to figure out your real name. Uh, took the uh, took the lead. Got ninety two point ninety three points, taking the lead uh, in our pickem uh, 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 pool. Now remember, the winner of that gets a signed mini helmet, which is signed by Barry Switzer. So if you guys are wanting to join up. For next year, join up for any sort of like March Madness stuff we may do. Remember, we try to do really nice uh, uh, or fun uh, gifts and giveaways and of that when we have a chance to do that. So thank you guys so much. Uh, but without any further ado, uh, for myself, for Matt, for Brady, for Alan, Boomer. Center.